Greetings in Jesus' name to each of you. Enjoyed the service so far. Thank you for all your input. And uh, trust the Lord has a few more blessings for us today. The um, the Sunday school lesson went uh, was right down the vein of thought that uh, I was thinking about, and uh, I prepared, uh, pondered, and prepared a message, and then uh, only looked at the Sunday school lesson after my message after my message was all together prepared and discovered that. It actually uh, very fitting, uh, kind of interesting, actually. So we have uh, <clears throat> we are planning an ordination here, which I think probably all of you are aware of. And uh, I thought it would be very fitting to begin to uh, or begin to share, to to preach a message relating to that and kind of turn our hearts, focus our hearts in on the subject a bit in uh, preparation for all of that. And uh, so when the Sunday school lesson is talking about true greatness and how, what true servanthood looks like and all that, it, uh, it just fits very well. So this morning, um, I've simply titled the, the lesson today, uh, the Choosing an Overseer, uh, Choosing a, a Leader, or uh, this, the Bible uses the terms uh, elders and bishops and all those different terms that are kind of used to describe the same function. So that's going to be... Uh, that's uh, where we're going this morning, and we'll uh, explore that a bit. Perhaps before we do that, before we get started, we could spend just a moment in prayer. If you're comfortably able, let's stand together and, and pray. <clears throat> Great God, our Father, thank you today for this day. Thank you for the blessing that each of us have to see this day, have health, life, and strength, and you've granted us uh, a continuation here while we recognize that um, we look forward to heaven and look forward to uh, joining you there someday. We also rejoice in the opportunity to uh, have life and to spend it to your honor and to your glory here, so thank you. Thank you for a government that allows freedom to gather and worship. Thank you for this day that is set aside as a day of rest and, and a day of uh, uh, just giving added attention to spiritual matters in our lives. Thank you for that. Today, thank you for uh, what we have been uh, studying and considering even this morning already. Thank you for all the input that... Uh, is present in a body like this. And now, Father, as we look into the scriptures and uh, look at the subject of uh, 
of calling forth uh, a brother to a leadership here. We thank you. Thank you for making uh, these uh, things clear to us in the Word, uh, giving uh, structure to a body and uh, and uh, giving us direction in your Word for that. And today again, we just ask that your Spirit would be our teacher, that we would understand the Word as you desire it, designed it, and that today uh, we could... Uh, continue that this could be a stepping stone in continuing our journey as a brotherhood here so father bless us bless this time bless each one present and those who are not present who would have desired to be with us ask the blessing on them today as well and father just commit this hour to you may you uh, may you be a, a father may you shepherd us may you uh, guide our hearts and our thoughts Concerning this subject, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> you may be seated. <clears throat> All right. Uh, if we look at several scriptures, maybe we could begin in First Peter. Chapter 5. To begin... <clears throat> The uh, just uh, yeah, I, I realize the subject that we're talking about. We're not. It's not a strange subject to us, and uh, I'm not teaching you new things. Just kind of bringing the subject into focus as we uh, prepare our hearts and ponder and pray about uh, uh, calling uh, another brother to leadership. <clears throat> so in in First Peter five verses one to four. The elders which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder. Thank you, brother. Who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint but willingly, not for filthy lucre but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. And uh, I, I, I read that simply, again, to just kind of put us... Put the whole, the the whole thought of elders and leadership in in a church and and uh, just kind of bring it right up before our hearts. This is God's pattern. This is God's design. Um, we have uh, a couple. Of, maybe I'll turn to a couple of scriptures there in Acts. Uh, just read those to you. Uh, Acts also relates to elders in the church. Uh, Acts twenty. Verse 17, this is Paul and in his travels, and he, and he says in verse 17, and from, from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And then jumping over to verse 28, this is some of the words that he had for them as they came to him. It says, take heed therefore unto yourselves 
and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. <clears throat> and so the uh, there we again have the this, the the elders uh, this the structure defined a bit the Paul in his travels he's at a certain town and he he sends over to Ephesus and 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 asks that the elders would all come and uh, come to see him and then he uh, in his instruction he's he's uh, talks there about uh, taking heed to themselves and over the flock uh, which the Holy Ghost has made them overseers. So the structure, the, you know, the structure or the, uh, the the matter of leadership among people is actually a a subject that follows humanity in all fields. You know, it's not just in the church that there are men appointed to leadership. Um, in every level of human existence, those things are a reality. And, uh, and, uh, the, we, de- we depend on it. You know, it's, uh, at our work, there are, there are those who are in the, in the places of leadership to lead and to direct and to oversee, um, in governments, in, uh, yeah, it's just, it's everywhere we look. And, uh, it's, it's something that, you know, we actually benefit from it, though there are maybe times we like to resist it. Uh, we would like to think that we, and I'm talking leadership in a broad level now, you know, in people in various ways, in various uh, uh, ways have expressed their defiance to leadership. They, 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 throughout years and ages and generations, it's kind of part of humanity. They express their defiance to leadership. They express their their desire to be totally independent, totally uh, uh, not under any kind of leadership. But the bottom line is, and if we all, uh, you know, face the facts and own the facts, we realize that we all benefit a lot from leadership, no matter how much we uh, try to resist it or to deny it or to, uh, you know, just... Uh, uh, just, you know, just let's just take one one simple subject and look at the automobiles that we all came to church in. We appreciate them. Uh, the result, the reason there's the, all those things are available to us is because there have been a whole host of various uh, leadership positions in place in large companies who have over many years who have. Uh, you know, brought us to a place where we can enjoy that kind of transportation. Uh, it just, and, and all of that, you know, all that, you know, it all trickles back even further than just a given company. That, that, that trickles back to a government who has operated in such a way that there have been a possibility for such companies to actually exist. You know, just a whole host. Everything is kind of interdependent. And in that interdependence, there is all a whole host of levels of leadership that all of us are benefiting from, even if uh, uh, even if we don't uh, stop and very often consider that benefit. But bottom line is, we are benefiting from it. 
But it has been coming, and it is coming to human experience to to uh, kind of uh, resist that. <laughs> In some levels, not totally, but it is definitely a common thing. But anyway, just uh, again coming back to the church and recognizing that um, leadership among people uh, is is a um, I guess I'm going to say it is a positive. It is a positive. It's not if we're viewing it as a negative, we're we're probably not understanding it properly. We're probably uh, and that's why I kind of give that preface of other leaderships because uh there's you know what as one individual you can do certain things and you can accomplish certain things but there is a dynamic that takes place uh when a uh when multiple individuals multiple people begin to function together there is a dynamic that takes place and there are accomplishments that can be done and there are uh Progresses that can be made that no no one individual on their own could ever do, and uh, and in order for those dynamics to uh, take place in a larger group of people, uh, there has to be a structure of leadership in order for that to function properly. And again, that's that's a a term that can be used broadly in all sorts of uh, functioning. <clears throat> So here we have uh, the, the we have the uh, the subject of leadership in the church, and uh, I certainly don't want to play uh, the subject of leadership in the church down to that of just other common leadership, because this is actually, uh, and we'll see some of that. This is actually God's, uh, this is God's business, if I may say it that way. It isn't ours. This is God's, uh, work. This is God's thing, if we can use that term. And we'll look at that a bit more. <clears throat> um, so in these scriptures that we read, and I'll just, uh, highlight that a bit, um, in, In Acts here, uh, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. That, that, uh, that puts it right in its place. So it's, it's the church of God. It's his assembly. It's his people. Uh, the flock is uh, his flock. Uh, it is his possession. Um, and Peter, Peter had uh, kind of the same concept there. Same idea. Feed the flock of God, which is among you. Um, taking oversight thereof. Uh, verse 3, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And so, uh, the, uh, the church is his possession. Jesus in Matthew 18 said to Peter or to his disciples, 
And he, he makes this comment to Peter, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Uh, not necessarily focusing on what the rock is, but focusing on Jesus' uh, words that I will build my church. It is my church. I'm going to build my church. Uh, it is his. It's not ours. Uh, Timothy, uh, Paul in First Timothy 3 verse 15, again just breaking into, uh, pulling out a few verses that talk about the church being the Lord's. Uh, but if I tarry long that thou mayest Know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. The church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. First uh, Timothy 3.5 For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Uh, Colossians 1.18 and, and he is the head of the body the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. So those scriptures all talk about his uh, church, the church of the living God, the church of God, the head of the body, the church. Um, Like to turn to Ephesians. You can turn there with me, Ephesians. Just pull a verse in what in chapter one, a few verses, and then we'll go on to chapter five. So, considering the fact that the church is is the Lord's uh, possession, in in chapter one of Ephesians, verse twenty-two and twenty-three, and just breaking in the context, and hath put all things under His feet, and gave Him in the speaking of Christ, gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So he is the head of the church, and uh, the church is his body. Um, and then, go. let's go to chapter 5. This, uh, this scripture is the scripture that is often used at weddings, but... Uh, we want to look at it uh, in the context of Christ and his church. And I think we'll start in verse 22, because it gives, uh, to, uh, to pick up in the context, uh, verse 22, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife. And then we have the comparison, even as Christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the body. And so uh, there we have the scripture giving a very clear uh, order or, yeah, Christ is the head of the church. Um, It is his church. It is his body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ... Uh, we are here as a church body and our goal should always be to be subject unto Christ. So let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Christ loved the church and may we say that Christ still loves the church. 
He loves us today as we sit here. We are his church, a small part of it. Continuing, uh, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. And in reading those verses, we can very easily get kind of get stuck on the the uh, the, the things there about being without spot and without wrinkle and all those things and we can we can suddenly very quickly see our own lives and see you know see things that we realize are are not always uh we're not a perfect uh uh no blemish uh, person are we and we can get kind of stuck on that but let's not just get stuck on that let's recognize that uh he uh, he sees us as a as a glorious church that he, as he works in us he is uh he is making us a, a glorious church that he might present it to himself a glorious church. He, 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 uh, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to pull out how much he values us, how much, uh, interest he has in us. So, uh, verse 28, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself, for no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourishes, nourisheth and cherisheth it even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. <clears throat> and so the Lord nourishes and cherishes his church. You know, uh, we all, you know, we take care of ourselves, our, our, our bodies. You know, if we, if we cut ourselves and we're bleeding, we'll do something about it. We'll nurture it. We'll uh, clean it up. We'll bandage it. We want it to heal. We want it to have its best and its quickest and its speediest recovery. Uh, picture the Lord that way. You know, uh, He cares for us in that same kind of care. When when one of us is is uh, stumbling or is struggling or is uh, or even has fallen and bruised ourselves in a sin or something, He's there to pick us up and and to uh, 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 brush us off and and clean us up and. And take care of the wound and, and all those kind of things. Just a, a, a picture of, of his care and his interest for us. So the, uh, the, you know, the reality that we want to consider and have been considering is the fact that the church is the Lord's. Uh, it's his possession. He loves, uh, his possession. He loves his church. He cares about his church. He's there to, to, uh, uh, minister and to uh, meet the need of his church. And so we, as we, as we set our sights on uh, calling another brother to leadership, uh, I'd like us to, 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 to do it in that context, to realize that the church is the Lord's. And the Lord cares about his church. The Lord has a great interest in his church. The Lord loves his church. The Lord is interested in, in, in the needs being met in the church. And he is interested in the, uh, in the uh, continued growth and development of the church. And so in, in that context, I'd like to say that the Lord has 
prepared a brother for the task. He has prepared a brother for the task. Uh, I'm going to say that the Lord has been working for the last 30 years to prepare a brother for the task. Now, why do I say 30 years? I'm going to say he's probably been working longer than that. But I simply say 30 years. Uh, Part of the reason I say that is because we've agreed that a brother should be at least 30 years old. Uh, (laughs) So, uh, I'd like like you to think about that. Um, let's, Let's consider a few in Scripture. A few individuals who were called to places of responsibility throughout uh, Scripture. Uh, the first one I'd take from the New Testament, and then we'd look at a couple in the Old Testament. Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, uh, verse 10 to, to verse 16. <clears throat> this is where Paul, or Saul, he was Saul at that point, And we'll just, uh, I'll start at verse 10 and read through verse 16 to give us a little context here. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord in a vision, and, and to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise, go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth. And he and hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And he hath, and here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my sake. <clears throat> so there we have the uh, just a little glimpse into uh, the calling of, or the, yeah, the calling of Saul, as he was at that point, and later uh, his name's changed to Paul, which uh, then uh, came, became the author of a great part of the New Testament. Um, and was a, a very avid church planter in in the early church day. Uh, you know, the day had come where Saul was called, and the Lord uh, uh, kind of, yeah, not everybody gets called in quite such a dramatic uh, way, but uh, Saul was called to uh, the Lord... Uh, uh, called Saul, and he was, uh, I like to say that uh, he was without doubt, I think all of us, when we look at, without, we look at his, his life uh, as, as we understand it from the scriptures and we see the work he did and, and uh, uh, the, yeah, we, we, we'd say he was a man fitted for the task, right? You know, the Lord had spent various years preparing that man for that task. Uh, his childhood, his uh, years of upbringing, his uh, education, uh, his, uh, his all that exposure, everything that he had. There was no mistakes in Paul's life. Uh, the Lord, I say that in the sense that 
that uh, not that Paul never made any mistakes or that people around him didn't make any mistakes, but uh, in the context of from God's perspective, everything was in pl- uh, everything that happened was part of what shaped the man that God then called to the task that needed to be done, and uh, and so there was years of preparation that 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 all worked together to bring a man to the place or to have a man there when Paul or when the Lord, when the day came, when the Lord needed a person uh, for the task. And there was Saul and God reached into his life, touched his heart, changed his life and set him on a new path and called him to a, to a lifetime uh, ministry work. <clears throat> I like to look at, a, at at another example, and that example is the uh, life of Moses in Exodus. And I know you, you, uh, and we'll have a third one. And, and by the time we're done with the third one, you might begin to think that I'm out of the context of us because I'm talking about great men. But we'll uh, try to address that if I don't forget. Uh, <clears throat> so in Exodus chapter two. We have the early life of Moses. And I'm not, I don't think we'll, I'll read the whole chapter, but just kind of uh, skim down across it. Um, there, of course, we have in verse 1, there was a, a man of the house of Levi who took a wife of a, a daughter of Levi and the woman bear, uh, conceived and bare a son. And when she saw he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could no longer hide him, she took him and put him in an ark of bulrushes, daubed it with slime and pitch, pitched it and uh, put the child therein and put it on the river. You know, um, so here we have the early life of Moses, just, uh, you know, three months old. They hit him as long as they could. All the male children were being killed in that day by the uh, uh, rulers. Uh, and uh, they hid this, this child. And then he, he gets uh, discovered by the Egyptian prince. She, of course, his sister is there. And, and she uh, uh, steps in and... And arranges to have her mother be the nurse to the child, and we're, I'm not exactly sure the years that she had him there. But then he goes to the to the uh, the palace basically, and lives uh, there a while, and and uh, becomes knowledge in all the wisdom of the uh, Egyptians, and and then uh, through a, a, a few uh, circumstances, he ends up fleeing Egypt and, and ends up in a wilderness desert place caring for sheep for various years. And that's where God found him. In a desert place caring for sheep. This uh, unique individual that uh, had such an interesting life's journey so far. But again, I'd like to say that uh, you know there was a there was a responsibility there was a task at hand and god had worked for some 40 some years in preparing the person for the task uh, that was uh, at, at hand 
And Moses happened to be that person at that point that uh, God had prepared. We could uh, we could get, well let's let's go on to the next one. I have one another one to consider, and that is David. And uh, would we'll turn to First Samuel. First Samuel chapter 16, verse 11 to 13, we just get a little, uh, little context of that. First Samuel 16, verse 11, and, and this is the, the situation where, uh, Samuel was appointed or was, uh, had come to uh, anoint a king, and uh, all of uh, Jesse's sons passed before Samuel, and and we'll uh, break in here in verse 11. It says, and, and uh, or let me say this, all of Jesse's, most of Jesse's sons had passed before Samuel, and, and the Lord hadn't chosen any of them. And in verse 11, and Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him in, brought him in and he was ruddy, and withal of a beautiful countenance, and goodly to look at, and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. And here again we... We have a, uh, a a young man who, uh, for whatever reason, his father apparently didn't think that there was any reason to bring him in from the sheepfold for this uh, occasion, and yet God had his God had chosen him, God had uh, prepared him, and, and uh, again here we have, and I'd like to just highlight the fact that. Uh, you know, he was out there keeping sheep. Uh, we learn from David's own testimony that at one point while he was keeping sheep, uh, a lion came and tried to get a, a lamb and, and another point a bear came and tried to get a lamb and, and, uh, this little fella took him on barehanded <laughs> and slew him, slew the lion, uh, basically, uh, we, you know, he didn't stand a hundred yards or three hundred yards back with a powerful rifle and bring him down. He he took him on anyhow. Uh, and later we find him, if we read uh, about uh, David's life, we find him dodging Saul's arrows as Saul attempted to to get rid of him. And all of those things, uh, all of those things were. Part of the preparation uh, for a king. You know, God works sometimes in ways that are a little unique or a little different than our normal minds or our natural man would consider. Uh, God has His ways of preparing people for responsibilities, and and we look at those three, those three different uh, situations. And uh, 
And I realize these these three men all uh, they filled a a major task in history. Uh, there's lots written about all of them, and we might be tempted to think that well, because that was such a unique uh, calling that uh, that you know that God took special interest in preparing those men. But uh, I'd like to. I'd like us to consider that uh, their callings were not really that unique. Yes, uh, we read about them. Yes, there's a lot recorded about them. But uh, isn't anything in the, isn't any uh, part of the kingdom of God important? Isn't any part of God's work important? No matter whether it is hidden or whether it is. Uh, public in any way. Uh, <clears throat> does God care that much? Is the Lord really uh, so much interested in us here at Oasis? Um, does God care that much about us today that he would spend 30 years preparing a man for a task, for a responsibility that we uh, have come to a place where we recognize a need? Was God working 30 years ahead of us? I think he was. Frankly, I think he was. He was working more than 30 years ahead of us. But uh, let's, uh, let's turn to Ephesians. Chapter 4. Again, uh, reading these scriptures and recognizing God's part in, in all of these things. God's active participation. Ephesians chapter 4, I'm going to break in in verse 4. There is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. There's one Lord, one faith, and one baptism, and one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore, he saith, when he ascended up on high, that he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. And drop down to verse 11. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists. And we would say the gift of a, uh, an apostle, the gift of a prophet in the context here. The gift of an evangelist, the gift of a pastor and a teacher. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. <clears throat> and we'll stop there. And again, just uh, recognizing the Lord's active part in all of this, uh, like it says here, 
when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. And I don't claim to understand all that that uh, is talking about, but one thing I think we can understand more easily is the fact of giving gifts unto men. Uh, God does, it is clear in the scriptures that the Lord gives giftings. Uh, and what does that mean? It, it can mean various things, but... Uh, I think one of the things it means is that the Lord does, uh, he's, he's always ahead. You know, we, we come to things and then we, okay, here's, here's a need. Let's, let's begin a journey of meeting that need and working on that situation and finding a solution. The Lord is always way ahead in the game. He's, he's been seeing this coming up way back here and he's already been working a long time and, uh, uh, I'm going to say that he he knows who's going to be the next. I'm just going to say it. He knows who's going to be the next brother who's going to be called to leadership here. And he's been working a long time already in life's various uh, experiences from childhood, from birth, from uh, in and on up through to work in that person's life to shape that person in just the right giftings and and abilities and and all those kind of things, personality and whatever is all part of it. To prepare him for this day. God is at work. Has been at work. And, uh, and, uh, like it says here, and he gave some, and so there's that aspect of gifts. And there's, of course, the aspect of the Spirit of God in gifts. And, and, uh, uh, you know, gifts that come by the Spirit within us. And, and I think gifts come, you know, you know, uh, we could, we could, make gifts all spiritual and say, well, any gift is from the Spirit. But reality is that giftings are just the makeup of the whole person. And yes, the Spirit does give giftings, and yes, the Spirit does equip, and yes, I don't want to diminish that a bit. But uh, And there are uh, cases where uh, the Scripture speaks of a laying on of hands and gifts being given. I believe that. I believe all of that. But I, I personally wouldn't be willing to dismiss a person's uh, whole life journey and God working uh, to shape that person for and and that being part of the development. Um, I think it's all part of the picture. Uh, so we have um, the yeah the Lord preparing the giving gifts to the body for the. For the perfecting of the saints, in other words, for the maturing of the believers. The God, uh, knowing what we need, knowing what we would need, uh, prepares people for the responsibilities so that the church body can function, can function well, and that uh, the believers can grow in grace in that context and can be a healthy, thriving uh, church body. <clears throat> You know, we, it says, till we all come to the unity of the faith, and, and it will always be this way. We are at varying levels of spiritual maturity, and it will always be that way, and may I say, it should always be that way. There, uh, there should be those who are young in the faith among us, whether it's our children or whether it's a, a convert, uh, someone who's uh, not been uh, exposed to the Christian faith at all, and they come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. There should be a just a whole range of diverse uh, levels of spiritual maturity in a body. 
Uh, now, I don't say that to say that it's okay to sit in a very uh, baby stage for all your life. <laughs> uh, we should all be growing, but uh, there should be uh, v- uh, various uh, levels of maturity. And like it says, uh, till we all come to the unity of the faith, that the, the, the church is, is, an, is a place where spiritual growth should be happening. And there's giftings and, and uh, uh, leadership in place for that to function, for that to uh, maturity to continue to be happening. <clears throat> also, uh, going to turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We talk about gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 4. Read verse 4 to 7, just a short reading here. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. And again, just uh, focusing on the fact of God and his involvement. It is it is the same God which worketh all in all. Um, God is at work among his church and among his people and in his church body. And he he uh, he works different gifts and different abilities and different uh, uh yeah, different things that in order for the body to function well. And like it says here that the uh, the manifestation of the Spirit or of these gifts and these abilities are given to every man for the profit of all, for the, for the well-being, for the growth, for the benefit of, of the entire body. And so that is the, uh, that is God's objective, God's design that, uh, he gifts individuals, uh, and, and all of us have gifts. You know, now we're not just talking about uh, someone who is specifically called to a place of leadership, but we all have gifts. We can all contribute, and the intent is, and the design design is that uh, it would the, the the body would benefit the body as a whole. <clears throat> Maybe just uh, just looking yet at uh, verses eight to eighteen in that same chapter. I turned the page here. I'll go back there again. Twelve, First Corinthians twelve, verse eight to eighteen talks about um, yeah. I'll just read that. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom; to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit; to another faith. By the same Spirit to another, the gifts of healing. By the same Spirit to another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and self same Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. 
And if the foot shall say, Because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, it is it therefore not of the body? If the ear shall say, Because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were they hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body, as it hath pleased him. <clears throat> I read all of that to get us to that last verse just a bit. Now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body, as it hath pleased him. You know, that just kind of puts it in its place. You know, God, God's at work. God uh, uh, sets uh, the members in the body. God puts... Uh, the responsibilities uh, he's interested in the in the uh, the in this body and its in its uh, functionality and he's interested in in uh, seeing that it is uh, that you know our needs are met as we as we consider uh, ordination. And as we consider calling a brother to lead, I want to assure us that God has been thinking about this a whole lot longer than we have. And that his interest has been uh, focused on it uh, even longer than ours. <clears throat> All right. Uh, should keep moving here. The uh, So God, yes, he is interested in us. Uh, in uh, in Matthew 18, in the Great Commission, we're told, and maybe I'll just read that, or not Matthew 18, Matthew 28. When Jesus gives his disciples their assignment, he says, Go ye therefore in, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I command you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And we focus, I focus on that end statement there. I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. We, we have that promise uh, that he will be with us. Uh, we have uh, in John... The Gospel of John, uh, chapter 14, verse 23. We have the words of Jesus again. And this is just one verse that reflects, that could be uh, the same concept. It's reflected in various verses. But Jesus, uh, responding to his disciples, says, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Now, this is given in the singular, as an individual. You know, if a person loves me, and I would like to just give it in the context of the body. You know, if we love the Lord, and if we walk in his ways, and if we obey him, he will come, and uh, he'll make his abode with us. Uh, in other words, again, drawing our attention to the fact that God is very interested. God is very involved in us and in our journey and in what we're uh, what we're about here today uh, and in the weeks and months and years ahead. Uh, as long as we continue to walk with him, continue to obey him, continue to uh, keep him Lord of our lives and endeavor to uh, to do that, he will walk with us. He promises to be with us and we have that assurance. 
And there is uh, there's nothing uh, that we should desire more than that, the presence of God with us as we uh, journey in life. So, uh, having uh, again, having uh, highlighted much on God's interest and involvement, you know, now we we have the uh, the the task of discerning who God has prepared, whom God is calling to this responsibility. Uh, you know, like I said, God has been working behind the scenes for much longer than we might even imagine. He has a he has something in he has a plan, I believe. Uh, the challenge is for us to discern what. His plan is. Uh, you know, God includes us in this process of calling forth leadership. The scripture is clear on that, and we won't turn to the various scriptures that would clarify that. Uh, you know, we have the scriptures given in Timothy and Titus that would give qualifications for, for a leader. We won't look at those this morning. And uh, the likelihood, it's very likely that there are more, there is more than one person that would meet the qualifications and that could could very well uh, fill the responsibility. I, I, would, uh, I would like to think in a healthy church body that would generally be the case and I would like to think that that would be the case here. That there, you know, um, I don't want to um, put it, put uh, make it so oh so elusive that we we uh, well I just I, I just say it this way in uh, in teaching sometimes if we're not careful. We give a wrong, or people can get a wrong concept. And I know there was in the in years gone by, there's a very high standard taught on finding a life's companion to the point where people got this concept. There's just this one person somewhere out in those billions of people, and I have to find the one that God has specifically selected for me. When there would have been uh, a million among the billions that could have fit the task well, or could have been well suited. And uh, that sometimes the concept was a little bit thwarted. And I don't want to paint that picture here uh, that uh, somehow, uh, and I, I believe that, that there, is this, there is a person that God has, and God knows that, but I don't know if I'm making sense. I don't want to, I don't want to um, make it... Um, Not sure what the word is. I don't want to scare us in the whole process. I want us to to actually be very relaxed and very uh, trusting of God in it, and that God will take uh, show us the way. Um, so we have, uh, yeah, we, God involves us in this process. Likely there are more than one that would meet the qualifications and could well be suited for the task.
You know, the uh, the Lord, uh, the, our responsibility or our, our uh, uh, place now is to ask the Lord, the Lord who understands our needs as a congregation uh, better than we understand them, to, uh, to ask for his guidance in discerning who he's calling. And, uh, you know, the, the method of choosing is not so important as is the 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 fact that uh, if we as brethren determine a method we want to to use to to proceed in 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 calling forth a brother the important part is that we are convinced uh, in our hearts that God will be uh, will through this method that we have chosen will make it clear that's the important part that we have confidence that God will work uh, and you and honor our uh, our process of determining that uh, I don't the, the scripture doesn't give us a one two three recipe on doing it but um, and so I think there are multiple ways that could be appropriate but like I said the important thing is that we believe the process that we are using, God will honor it and God will show us. Uh, and so uh, we do have the task of discerning who God has prepared. So I'd like to encourage us uh, in all of this. Uh, in the past, it has been said that there are two things that are most that most commonly cause church splits. And one of them is ordinations and another one is building buildings building church buildings <laughs> I don't know if that holds true yet or not but uh, that was a saying that used to get uh, passed around some and it, it is a fact you know in, in uh, when we think about ordinations there's there's different uh, there's different things that can go on in our minds you know if we're honest we, we realize that's that's very possible. You know, we can we can sit and we can evaluate uh, uh, different brothers, and and we can uh, very easily fall into the trap of beginning to think, you know, well, this person sees things the way I see them. If if he would get into leadership, if he were placed in leadership, the church would would just it would seem just suited to me, or you know, seem like it'd be just right. <laughs> uh, you know, there's all there's all kinds of dynamics that can take place, and uh, we have to guard our hearts in those things. Um, and uh, and endeavor to to lay down our biases, if I may say so, and open our hearts to God and ask God who He's who He's calling, and ask God to even. Uh, Show us in some way, make it clear to our hearts who he's calling. Um, we have, we have chosen, uh, we have uh, chosen to use voting, first of all, as the means of discerning. And uh, then depending on the outcome of that vote, uh, we'll determine the action, further action. But uh, voting is the first step in the process and if that clarifies it right there then there's no further steps needed and if not then there's a few further further defined steps that uh, 
would be taken. Uh, but uh, just to uh, recognize the importance of that first step, you know, it's, it's uh, important for us to be able to try to dismiss all our own um, whatever they are and uh, open our hearts to God and ask God, you know, who, who, who are you calling? Who, who, who have you prepared for this task? And uh, so that's the posture of heart I'd like to encourage us in. Um, God has interesting ways of of uh, doing those things. I I can uh, remember being a part of various organ ordinations over the years, and and uh, and just think back to different ones and the different things that suddenly would stand out in in my mind. So you know, God would. Something, you know, something just, yeah, something in everyday living and in, in, in church life and something would just stand out. And it's like, okay. And we go to a boat and, whew, clear boat. Apparently, everyone, God was just noticing, uh, showing the same thing to everyone in their, in their heart and experience. And not saying it has to be uh, just a clear, solid, clear vote. I believe there's, uh, uh, it doesn't have to settle with just the voting. Like I said, uh, the voting is the first step, and if there's further steps needed, we have discussed that, and we'll go further steps to discern God's will. But to me, the important thing is that uh, when it's all finished, that we were all convinced that God was guiding us through it. And uh, so I want to uh, I want to leave us with that encouragement. Um, be prayerful about it. Ask God to to uh, in some way uh, show us. Obviously, we we're the we're the people who need to be casting the votes. Uh, different of us as heads of households, uh, together with your wife, and dialoguing and considering from your perspective who you feel God has chosen. Uh, we are the ones who need to cast the votes. So encourage us to be prayerful and. Uh, Endeavor to even lay down our own desires in it and uh, seek God that he would make it clear uh, to us and uh, show us the way. So, choosing an elder, choosing a leader, we look to the Lord in confidence and faith that he'll meet our needs. If we're able, let's kneel together and close with prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you. We come to the close of this hour. And thank you for your word and the many uh, various biblical examples and illustrations we can draw from and biblical truths and teachings. Thank you. Thank you that, uh, thank you that you care for us here and not us only, Lord, but all who call upon you, you do care for them that call upon you in truth and, uh, you're building your church the world over, and we, we are thankful for that. Thankful to be just a little uh, part of that, uh, have a, a little uh, vested interest in the kingdom, Lord, in this way. And thank you. Thank you for this body. Bless each one present again today, and those who are not present. And, Father, we pray that as we continue to pray and ponder uh, an upcoming ordination, we ask, Lord, that you would 
indeed bless our hearts and our thoughts and our meditations, that uh, you would walk us through this journey and that uh, you would uh, set uh, call another brother forward to, to leading uh, among your people. Thank you. Thank you for, for having prepared someone, and we ask that you would help us to uh, discern who that is and to uh, continue uh, to grow and groweth as a body in that way. Again, Father, thank you for the freedom to assemble this way. Pray for our governments and that they would continue to allow us freedom of worship. And uh, may we not take it for granted, Lord, but uh, honor you in uh, all ways in our lives. Again, keep us in your care, Lord, and give us uh, courage, grace, and faith to continue in faithfulness, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.